What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mayolari. So today is the MLB trade deadline eve, the eve of the trade deadline. Tomorrow is the trade deadline at 6 p.m., August 1st. So I'm going to break down some trades that have happened over the last day or so, give you guys my thoughts, including one that went down over the weekend, Max Scherzer being traded to the Texas Rangers, and then I will give you guys some updates on some plays that are currently still on the market. So let's start off with a trade the Angels just made, and that was trading for a first baseman in DH and CJ Crone, and then getting outfielder Randall Grigic from the Colorado Rockies. I had a green light on both of these guys. I thought they both get traded. Didn't get the team right, though, but I knew the Angels would be an aggressive team at this trade deadline. I thought it was the smart thing for them to do. Colorado receives in return a right-handed pitcher from the Angels farm system, Jake Madden, the number 28 prospect for the Angels in their farm system, and then left-handed pitcher Mason Albright, the number 8 prospect in the Angels farm system. The Halos are going all in, and I think at the end of the day, trying to support Shohei Otani with as much talent as possible is the best decision. The acquisition of Grigic could also mean less at-bats my boy Mickey Moniak, but at the same time, whatever gets his team wins is most important. Although I think Moniak should still be the starter in center field. Grigic has a 308 batting average on the year with eight home runs. He was actually drafted by the Angels at the beginning of his career. Never played a game for the Angels, though. So this will be his first time suiting up in an Angels uniform. And then another former Angels draft pick, CJ Crone, who actually did play for the Angels in the major leagues at the start of his career, has 11 home runs on the season with a 260 batting average. He was actually on the team the last time the Angels made the playoffs. So hopefully these two guys bring the Angels some luck. I think it's the best decision for them to go all in. If the Angels don't make the playoffs, I know everybody's going to look back on their decision to not trade Shohei Otani and say it was such a mistake. But your vision in hindsight is always 2020. You always think back and say, oh, I should have done this or oh, I should have done that. The Angels are taking the biggest risk possible right now and going for it all with Shohei Otani. Why not? You're the best talent in the game of baseball in the 21st century. Go all in and try to make a run. If you end up not making the playoffs, still try to re-sign no matter what. If that doesn't work, at least you took a shot. To be a GM in any of the professional sports leagues, you have to be able to take risks. Even when everybody's against you, the media, people in your own clubhouse, there are going to be times when nobody's going to agree with you. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean it was always the worst decision at the time. Right now, I think the Angels are making the best decision possible. We might look back in hindsight and say they shouldn't have done that. Oh, they didn't re-sign him. They should have never kept him past the trade deadline. But at this point, right now, I think it's their best decision. Because you still have a chance to re-sign them in the offseason. Are the chances heavy? No. I'd say like 15% right now. Maybe 20%. I was 5 to 10% a week or two ago. Now I'm going to say 10 to 15% chance right now. Maybe 20%. And the reason why I went up is because there were reports that Shohei Otani would be open to returning to the Angels on a new contract. And he sees them going all in right now. He knows they want to win and they value his talent on the team. They wouldn't just want to trade him. And Shohei did say he'd like to stay with them past the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens. As of right now, it would be tough for the Angels and the Red Sox to both get in the playoffs. I know that was my dream and my goal when I made an episode about a week or so ago now and I said I think the Angels are going to make the playoffs and the Red Sox too, but that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough because that means either the Astros and the Rangers miss the playoffs and that's probably unlikely, or the Blue Jays miss the playoffs. There's going to be some teams that miss the playoffs that probably will end up getting in anyways, and that's my worry there. I think the Red Sox have a better chance right now making the playoffs than the Angels, but I think at the end of the day there's still a window for this Angels team to make the playoffs. And I'd be hopeful that this is their year to make a run because Shohei Otani and Mike Trout deserve it all. So next up, the Texas Rangers acquired Max Scherzer from the New York Mets in a big blockbuster trade over the weekend. Max did pick up his 2024 option and waived his no-trade clause to go to the Texas Rangers. 
The Mets traded one of Scherzer or Verlander. Like I said in my predictions that they should, since I said that would be the smartest thing for them to do, because I thought about it from this perspective. It's been a disaster of a season. Both of them are making $43.3 million next year. And at the end of the day, this season wasn't going anywhere. If you can get back a really good prospect like the Mets got back in return, why not? Especially when Verlander and Scherzer haven't lived up to the expectations this year that we all thought they would have. And I said Texas should go after one of these guys. And lo and behold, they listened and they got Scherzer in a big trade there. Verlander ends up staying to this point as a Met. There is a lot of talks about him getting traded, which I'll give you guys my thoughts on that at the end of the episode. But the Mets got back a very good prospect in return, Luis Angel Acuna. He's the number 44 prospect in the minor leagues right now. And he's also Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother. So that'll be an interesting matchup when he makes it to the major leagues when the Braves and the Mets play each other. But quite a pickup here for the Mets. For just a half guaranteed year of Scherzer, which I know Scherzer did pick up his option for next season, so he opted in, so now it's a year and a half of control of Max Scherzer, but he still only had a half-guaranteed year when the Mets traded him because he didn't opt in to 2024 yet. And this hasn't really been a typical year for Max Scherzer either. 9-4 record with a 4.01 ERA, 121 strikeouts, and 107.2 innings pitched. So if you look at this, you look at it from two different perspectives. The Mets are going full sell mode, which is a smart thing for them to do. And the Rangers are going all-in mode, which is the best thing for them to do as well. The Rangers are very good in deep farm system. And the way I see it and where they stand right now, they might as well trade prospects and build to win this year. That's why I like them to come out of the American League right now. I think Baltimore and Texas will be the last two teams standing in the American League. And I think the Rangers still will even add more. I still think they're going to be aggressive and add more. They've added a Rolgis Chapman now, Max Scherzer, and Jordan Montgomery. I think they're even going to go and add more pieces. Because this team, if you look at it, has the roster right now to win. So why not add more? And they have the farm system to do so. As for Scherzer's contract, which there was a lot going on there in his contract, and a lot of principles and things they had to figure out between the two clubs, but they did figure out the money. The Mets will pay $35 million of Scherzer's salary through the end of the 2024 season, while the Rangers will pay $22.5 million. So the Mets will pay $35 million from now until the end of next season, and the Texas Rangers will pay $22.5 million. So a lot of people look at that money that the Mets are paying and they're saying, why would they do that? Well, at the end of the day, Scherzer's contract was heavy. $43.3 million next season he was getting. Guaranteed. So the Mets saw that contract and said, if we chew more money and send more money to Texas, we'll get back an even better return of prospects. Even though they get back one prospect in return, it's a top 100 prospect, number 44 in the game of baseball, and a guy that's going to be high in the Mets farm system as well. And this is a Mets farm system that's getting better and better year by year, which I know is their goal over the last few seasons, to build a farm system and get it to be better. And that's what they're doing. They're starting to build a really deep and good farm system. As for the Texas Rangers, they're a team that isn't afraid to spend money either. As we saw with them signing Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager for half a billion dollars, getting Jacob deGrom and Nate Valdi this past offseason, this is a team that's not afraid to spend money either. But at the end of the day, $43.3 million is a lot guaranteed to shares, and that's why the Mets paid $35 million from now until the end of next season. So Acuna... Very talented prospect, seven home runs, 315 batting average with 51 runs batted in. Also has very good speed, 42 stolen bases and 47 attempts with an 830 OPS in AA. This was a great move by the Mets in my eyes and a great move by Texas as well. They're going all in. I think it's a great move for the Mets to build a future. I think there's a win-win trade here for both teams. Scherzer had a four ERA. There's a lost season for the Mets. Might as well go out, get something back in return, 
and start building a little bit for the future. You can still win next year. If you keep Justin Verwin, you still have an ace on your team. You still have Kodai Senga, and we'll see what happens with the rest of the club. But you still have a good team next year to go out this offseason, maybe add a few pieces, and then contend and try to get back on track next season. I think the Mets right now would be very smart to also deal Tommy Pham, Mark Hanna, and Adam Adovino. Might as well go and sell your expiring contracts and get something back in return, especially on a lost season for the Mets. Next up is the St. Louis Cardinals trading right-handed pitcher Jordan Hicks to the Toronto Blue Jays. I had a green light on Hicks, as I did for the first two players. I talked about CJ Cronin and Randall Grigic. I had a yellow light on Scherzer. I did say the Rangers should go out and get either Scherzer or Verland, and lo and behold, they did that, and obviously I said the Mets would be smart to trade one of those two pitches, and they did that as well. So I hit a good amount of things in my trade deadline predictions. Didn't really get any teams right yet, but I did get the players being traded that I had green lights on so far. I haven't really nailed which team was players going to get traded to, but that is very hard to do. So here in this trade, the St. Louis Cardinals traded right-handed pitcher Jordan Hicks to the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays will be sending two minor league right-handed pitches to St. Louis, 21-year-old Sam Roberts. He is from the Netherlands, a right-handed pitcher that is the number seven prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays farm system. And the 22-year-old Adam Kloffenstein, another right-handed pitcher in the Blue Jays farm system. He is in double-A as well, just like Roberts, will be traded to St. Louis. Kloffenstein is the number 18 prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays farm system. Roberts played for the Fisher Cats, which is a team in New Hampshire, double-A team for the Toronto Blue Jays, which Kloffenstein did as well this year. Roberts was 3-5 and five on the mound, the 406 ERA. With 86 strikeouts and 88 two-thirds innings pitched. And then Kloffenstein is 5-5 five and five on the year with a 3.24 ERA and 105 strikeouts and 89 innings pitched. I think this was a very smart trade by the St. Louis Cardinals. I think you get back two very good prospects, the number 18 and the number 7 prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays system for an expiring relief pitching contract. That's not bad. You'll take that all day, I think, if you are the St. Louis Cardinals. For a lost season for the Cardinals, just like a lost season for the Mets, when you can add to your farm system... And trade expiring contracts, guys that you know you're not going to extend, like Jordan Hicks going back to St. Louis, why not go and trade them and get back young pieces to build for the future? As for the Blue Jays here, they add to their bullpen in a big position of need, getting Jordan Hicks. Their bullpen, they needed a lot of help with, and they go out and get him to help out. Hicks' sweeper is very good. He has a .097 batting average against the sweeper this year with a 58.6% whiff rate, which is unreal. The Blue Jays need help in their bullpen because Jordan Romano is currently hurt. They're closer, so they needed a reliever, and they get a hard-throwing right-handed pitcher who hits triple digits easily every single night. Hicks can get 100 to 102 any pitch, has got up to 104 as well. Hicks has struggled a little bit on the year record-wise, 1-6 record with a 3.67 ERA and a 1.51 whip, but he's also on a bad team, so can't really blame the record all on him this season. Next up is the St. Louis Cardinals making another trade, and that is trading left-handed pitcher Jordan Montgomery to the Texas Rangers, a team that continues to be aggressive at the deadline. This is the Rangers' year to go all-in and try to win. I had a green light on Montgomery to get traded, but I did not have him going to Texas, so another player that I had getting traded at the deadline, but didn't have him going to the right team, which, as I said, it is really hard to predict what team a player is going to land on. St. Louis also sent right-handed reliever Chris Stratton to Texas in this deal. On the year, he has a 1-1 record with a 4.36 ERA in 42 games with 59 strikeouts and 53 and two-thirds innings pitched. So pretty good return here uh, for Texas getting back a starter in Jordan Montgomery and a bullpen piece in Stratton. As for what they gave up, St. Louis will be receiving an infielder in Thomas Sujezi, the number 14 prospect 
in the minor league system for the Texas Rangers. And then they also will be getting right-handed pitcher Takoa Roby, the number 11 prospect in Texas's farm system. And then they also will be sending John King, a left-handed reliever, on the major league roster. He is 1-1 on the year with a 5.79 ERA in 15 appearances with 10 strikeouts and 18 two-thirds innings pitched. So they put they traded one major league piece and two minor league pieces to make this deal happen. So not a bad trade here for Texas. I think it's a very good return getting back Jordan Montgomery, a guy that's going to boast of their starting rotation, especially with Nate Evaldi being on the 15-day IL with a forearm injury. And then also Jacob DeGrom's out for the year too. So Montgomery's going to take up a bigger role right away from the get-go since they need help in their starting rotation with Evaldi being hurt. As for the St. Louis Condos, I mean, this is a team that is in full sell mode. So just to get back prospects or expiring deals, why not? I mean, Jordan Montgomery was an expiring contract. If you don't think you're going to resign him, like they probably thought they wouldn't, you might as well go out and get prospects back in return. So Jay-Z is probably the best prospect in return in this deal. Two, obviously, minor league prospects, the number 11 and 14 in Sujazi and Roby in the Texas Rangers farm system. Sujazi is hitting 313 on the year with an 891 OPS, 15 home runs, 78 RBIs in double A. I think he'll be a future star one day. So it's a pretty good pickup there by the St. Louis Cardinals. So now I'm done with giving a breakdown of trades that have happened. Now I'm going to talk about some trade rumors. And the first one I'll start off with is Alex Verdugo and the trade rumors surrounding him over the last couple of days. I do not want the Red Sox to trade Alex Verdugo. I'll make it clear right there. For a guy that was one of the only bright spots over the dark days of the 2020 and 2022 seasons, it would be hard to not see him in a Red Sox uniform. He became my favorite player right away due to swag and energy and everything he brings to the game of baseball. You know he enjoys the game every single second of it. He just embraces. And you know he doesn't take any bit of the game of baseball for granted. So I think if you look at his situation right now with the Red Sox, I think they might just be shopping him to see if they could get back a good return like a pitcher. I think he ends up staying with the Red Sox. At least that's what I would do if I was in the Red Sox front office. I would keep Alex Verdugo in a Red Sox uniform. He still has another year left of control. But the issue here is that he could get extended, but the Red Sox haven't had any discussions with them about an extension. So that's why they could be shopping him because his trade value is highest right now when you have a year and a half of control of him. I want him to stick around, but if we do move him, I feel like it'll be for a starting pitcher. And I know a lot of fans are very flaky and online. Everybody wants to switch up easily and trade him, but people don't realize how reliable Alex Rodrigo has been to the plate over the last few seasons. Yes, he's on a cold stretch right now, but he'll break out of it. I know he will. I have all the confidence in the world that Alex Verdugo will get back on track. I think every team in the major leagues could use Alex Verdugo on their team. He's going to give you it his all, even though he did get in trouble at one point for not hustling earlier in the season. But he's going to give you it his all. And he's also a vocal player. He plays with energy, emotion. You can tell he wants to win. You can tell he wants to win. He's locked in every single night. And the swagger and energy he brings to the game is unmatched. I don't think anybody brings as much energy and swagger to the game of baseball than Alex Verdugo. He makes the game exciting. Even when the Red Sox were struggling in 2022, I used to watch just to see him play because he was my favorite player and I always loved what he brought to the plate on a nightly basis. And he's also gotten a lot better defensively. 11 defensive runs saved on the season, which is tied for fourth in outfields in the game of baseball. His 272 batting average right now is definitely a little bit lower than I'd like, but he'll get it back up. I have all the confidence in the world of Verdugo to get back up. I just think fans, especially when you listen to the radio or watch a lot of TV, they take whatever the popular opinion is and they just stay with what everybody else is saying. If you don't have any trust that Alex Verdugo will get back on track, then you haven't watched him play. You know he gets 
cold sometimes, and he'll go on a very hot stretch. He was 300 for just about most of the season before the last month. He'll get back up, and he'll be fine. So now, one of the questions I want to talk about is whether or not Justin Verlander will be dealt. If he is moved, I think the Los Angeles Dodgers would be a great landing spot for him. They're a team that's not afraid of making a big move, and I said in my predictions 10 days ago that the Dodgers would be a lot more aggressive than people thought. I had them as one of the most aggressive teams at the trade deadline. And they're in discussions right now to try to get Verlander, and they also were in discussions at one point to try to get Nolan Arenado over the weekend. The Dodgers are not afraid of going out and making a big move. Verlander's owed $43 million next season, but that really isn't a problem for the Dodgers, a team that can spend money unlike anyone else. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets consistently spend the most money in the game of baseball over the last few seasons. So the Dodgers would not be afraid of taking in the $43 million. So I'd be interested to see what they would do with the Mets there and who would chew the money. But the Dodgers do have the money to spend just like the New York Mets. So that would be an interesting trade if the Dodgers and the Mets could work that out. I think the Dodgers will be very aggressive this offseason to try to get Shohei Otani. He is my favorite in landing Shohei right now for landing spot. I think the Dodgers have the best chance in the game of baseball to get Shohei. It's on the West Coast. Shohei Otani wants to be closest to Japan. On the West Coast, still in LA. And at the same time, they're built to try to win. Shohei wants to win, wants to make the playoffs. The Dodgers have consistently been a top team in the game of baseball over the last 10 years or so. Even though they only have one World Series winning in 2020, they are consistently a team that is competing to try to win a championship. They're not afraid of making a big move, trading for Mookie Betts, trading for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, signing Freddie Freeman. They're not afraid to go out and make a big move. So that's why I think the Dodgers will be in the market to get Shohei in the offseason and try to get Verlander right now at the trade deadline. And they have the farm system to get anybody in the game of baseball they want. Verlander on the year has a 6-5 record with a 3.15 ERA and 16 starts. His strikeout rate is down, and he has gotten hit harder a little bit this year as well. But he's still a good pitcher. He has $43.3 million on his deal for next season. And then there's a conditional option as well for the 2025 season. That's if he reaches 140 innings pitched next season in 2024 and passes a physical exam. He would be due $35 million in 2025. So that should be something he can make. That third year, I mean, considering how he performs next year, he should be able to do 140 innings on the mound with an exam that he should pass, and that would give him a $35 million salary in 2025. So we'll see what happens there, but regardless, it's one guaranteed year for sure after the season is over. So we'll see what happens. I think the Dodgers are the best landing spot for him. I know the Houston Astros are very aggressive right now in trying to get him back in an Astros uniform, a place where he had a lot of success over the years there, especially in the playoffs. So now I'm going to switch to another story, and that is Cody Bellinger with the Chicago Cubs. According to reports, he will not be traded at the trade deadline. The, the Cubs will be holding on to him, and I think that's a smart thing for the Cubs to do, especially with where they stand right now. They're still in the playoff mix in the NL and still have a bunch of games left against teams that are ahead of them in the standings. Why not go and try to make a run? If you trade Bellinger, first off, you're showing you're selling at the trade deadline and you're not trying to make the playoffs right now, but you're also not going to extend him if you trade him. He's earned himself a new deal, and he's thrived in Chicago. They should look to extend him. So it's a smart move keeping him and trying to make a playoff run. And the Cubs are very capable of making the playoffs right now. Three and a half games back of the wild card in the NL in a 13-7 and seven over the last 20 games. Still have a lot of games left, as I said, against teams that are ahead of them in the standings. Keep their pieces and try. Keep Marcus Stroman, even though he's been struggling in July. Keep him. Keep Bellinger. Keep Hendricks and try to make a run. 
especially with, with where they stand right now, three and a half games back, it would be smart for them to try and make the postseason. I think this team is very capable of getting the last NL wildcard spot right now. This team is a team to watch out for, especially with how hot they've been over the last month or so. So now this brings into question, who will be moved next? Eduardo Rodriguez, Michael Lorenzen, Jack Flaherty. I think Baltimore should go after a few of these guys that I just named. Flaherty's probably the easiest guy for them to go and get. But Lorenzen, Flaherty, Rodriguez all will be free agents after the season's over. Rodriguez has an option for this upcoming season, so I think he's going to opt out anyway. So all three of them are basically on expiring contracts. And I think Baltimore would be a perfect fit for at least Flaherty and maybe one other. They need help in their rotation. They should definitely look to add at least one of those pieces. As for Eduardo Rodriguez, I think the Dodgers should try and go and get Eduardo Rodriguez. He's going to opt out after this year's over, but the Dodgers do have the prospects to go out and get him. They have the package of players that can go out and land Eduardo Rodriguez. And so I just made a quick trade package just for the fun of it. Who knows if this is going to be what it would cost for Eduardo Rodriguez, but I did it just for the fun of it. A right-handed pitcher in Ryan Pepio, the number seven prospect in the Dodgers farm system, and the number 75 in the game of baseball. Then right-handed pitcher Nick Frasso, the number eight prospect in the Dodgers farm system, number 86 overall in the game of baseball. And then left-handed pitcher Maddox Bruns, who is the number 14 prospect in the Dodgers farm system in their former first-round pick in the 2021 draft. So I have them trading their seventh, eighth, and 14th prospects in their farm system to go out and get Eduardo Rodriguez. We'll see what the Dodgers do. I think they're going to be aggressive, though, and try to add a pitcher in their starting rotation by this point tomorrow at 6 o'clock. So now I'm going to switch gears and talk about the Red Sox, who lost two games in a row to San Francisco, losing last night in extra innings, unfortunately, in the series finale. Tough loss there for the Sox. And I know a lot of people are going to like to see these losses and say, oh, the Red Sox should be now selling the deadline rather than buying. But I don't think this should change the Red Sox deadline approach. They're still two and a half games back of the wild card. I would still buy if I'm the Red Sox. You get Trevor Story back hopefully this next coming weekend. You got Chris Sale coming back hopefully in a few weeks. Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock coming back too. Get another piece or two with the trade deadline and go and try to make a run. I'd love to see Rich Hill back in the Red Sox rotation. He's probably going to only be the fourth starter in their rotation. He'd definitely take away an opener every single week, which is good. Rather than having two opening games every week, you'd rather just be probably one if you have Rich Hill in the rotation, a guy that was with the Red Sox three different stints in his career. So we'll not mind a fourth one. I wanted the Red Sox to go after right-handed pitcher from the Cleveland Guardians, Aaron Savali, who was just traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. I had a yellow light on Savali. I'm a little bit shocked that he was traded since he has two more years of control. But at the end of the day, Cleveland is in the middle of where I said they'd be. I said Cleveland, Seattle, Minnesota would be in the middle of buying and selling. Maybe sell some expiring contracts, try to get some pieces back that can help them try to make the playoffs. I know Cleveland and Minnesota, one of them's going to win the division. But I knew both of these teams in Cleveland and Minnesota would not be full sellers and would not be full buyers. They'd be somewhere in the middle. And so I had a yellow light on Savali. I said if they get back a decent package in return, maybe they move them. And the former Northeastern University Husky was traded today to the Tampa Bay Rays. A pitcher that has very good stuff, and when he's healthy, is dominant. 5-2 on the year with a 2.34 ERA with a 1.04 whip and 58 strikeouts and 77 innings pitched. He's allowed two earned runs or less in 11 of his 13 starts this season. So what does Cleveland get back in return? They get back Tampa Bay's fourth prospect and the number 37 overall prospect in the game of baseball. First baseman, Kyle Manzato, who has 11 home runs 
38 runs batted in, a 238 batting average, and a 783 OPS in AAA Durham on the year. Manzato, only 23 years old and is close to joining the major leagues. So I see this as a good deal both ways. A good deal for Cleveland and a good deal for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay gets the pitching help they need and that they've wanted. A very good pitcher in Savali, a guy that's going to be at the top of their rotation with McClanahan and with Glasnow. So now they have a very good number three there. Eflin's in there as well. I mean, Tampa Bay has a good rotation overall. And then Cleveland gets back a very good prospect that's almost MLB ready. The number 37 overall prospect in the game of baseball. So that's a pretty good deal both ways. I wanted Savali on the Red Sox, but there wasn't really too much buzz about the Red Sox being interested in him, unfortunately. So now the last thing I'm going to talk about is Blake Snell and whether or not I think he'll be traded. I think Blake Snell, as of right now, stays in San Diego. I think San Diego is going to buy at the trade deadline. Even though the Mets and San Diego aren't too far apart in the standings, the Mets just feel lost and lifeless. This is a lost season. As for the Padres, I think they're in a little bit different of a mindset than the Mets are right now. I think the Padres still see a potential chance where they could throw a Hail Mary, make the playoffs, and make a run. So I think Blake Snell stays. But I made a fun trade package for the Red Sox to land Blake Snell. This is just for fun. I know he's going to cost an absolute ton, so he may even cost even more than what I'm throwing out there right now. But I have the Red Sox trading Sedan Raffaella, the number two prospect in the Red Sox farm system, and the number 77 overall prospect in the game of baseball. And then the Red Sox would also be trading in this mock trade that I made. Roman Anthony, an outfielder, who's the number five prospect in Boston's farm system and number 94 overall in the game of baseball. And then the Sox would also be sending Cut of Coffee, the number 17 prospect in the Red Sox farm system. So I made this trade just for fun. He's probably going to cost more than that, I'd imagine. Probably another top 15 prospect in the Red Sox farm system. I think Snell's going to cost a ton because he could stay in San Diego and help them make a run. Even though he's on an expiring contract, he is one of the best pitches in the game of baseball right now. So if San Diego wants to make a run, keeping him could be the smartest decision. And if you look at his numbers on the year, an MLB best 2.5 ERA, 8-8 record with a 156 strikeout total in 119 innings pitched. He's very good this year. One earned run or less in 12 of his last 13 starts. In his last 13 starts since May 25th, since right around the time I left BC, he's allowed just six earned runs in 74 innings pitched. With 108 strikeouts in those 74 innings and a .73 ERA. So even though San Diego is looking to rebuild their farm system after trading that Hall of Prospects last summer for Juan Soto on this date last year, I think they're going to keep Blake Snell. I think they're going to keep Josh Hader. I think they're going to keep Juan Soto and some other pieces that were being shopped at the trade deadline. And I think they're going to go and try to make a run. They're going to be buyers at the trade deadline and try to add to this rush and try to make a run and have a miracle Hill Mary finish to the season. So we'll see what happens. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.